Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. This is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner today, and we are coming to you with another conversation about how to really keep your finances in control, be in a position of control so that you have access to capital, so that you can make decisions moving forward that really puts you in a position of advantage, so you have more leverage in your financial life, so you're doing the most with your money and you're really moving ahead as quickly as possible. We have been going through a series called What is Infinite Banking? And really, this was for the purpose of coming back to basics, right, Bruce? Yes, because uh, people make this a lot more complicated than what it really is. You know, and it's important in anything in life to be able to be simple, simple enough to have the clarity to make decisions and have confidence to move forward but also to understand fully enough that you have the knowledge and not just the the generic knowledge, but you have understanding of what to do in a particular situation. And so we're really looking at infinite banking from the lens of recognizing you may have been using infinite banking for many years now. You may have one policy or even two or three, and you're in a position of saying, I want to understand this better because I want to explain it to my kids. Or maybe you have never started a policy and you're in a position of saying, I've heard about infinite banking. It sounds great, but I really want to understand more. Or maybe you've never heard about infinite banking at all. And somehow you're coming across this conversation and you're saying, well, that's interesting. And after you know what it is, then you're going to be able to really uncover why it matters to you and then dig into how to make it work for yourself. So Today, we are continuing on this series. I don't know which step we're on because we have done, I think, six episodes, maybe seven. I'm pretty sure it's six so far. We've covered in this series, what is infinite banking? What is whole life insurance? What is the special design of the policy? What is cash value? What is death benefit? What is a dividend? What is a mutual company? And what is the strategy of using specially designed life insurance? So today, we're going to be really digging into what is a policy loan? And this is a piece of infinite banking that is extremely valuable. And we want to help you understand what exactly is happening inside of this piece of infinite banking. Before we go there though, Bruce, can we just, I would love to hear your perspective overlaying on top of everything I just said for why this matters and why this particular topic today. Well, I think why it matters is that we finance everything in our lives. And people don't get that because people say, well, no, I, know, I, I don't have any debt. I just pay for everything in cash. Well, Nelson Nash made me realize that paying cash are still financing because you're giving up the opportunity to make money on your cash that you actually pay. So you're always financing. You're either paying interest or you're giving up the ability to earn interest. Mm-hmm. Now, that is... That is not as big a deal as it once was because people say, well, I'm not making anything with my cash anyway in the bank, so I may as well not pay. Well, that's a scarcity mindset. Um, you could actually use that cash to do other things with to actually produce wealth, whether it's start a business, 
whether it's invest in cash flowing assets, whether it's heck even invest into the stock market or or other traditional vehicles. So it's really important that you understand that you're either giving up interest or you're paying interest. So there's no such thing as a free lunch. So when people when people capitalize anything in their life, whether it's a business, whether it's commercial real estate, whether it's their own personal real estate, whether it's um, a, a piece of investment, a stock portfolio, most entities, financial entities, will actually allow you to borrow against those entities. Think about it. Your business can also often get a loan against the accounts receivable even, not even inventory. They can get you because you, you can also get um, a loan against the inventory. Your commercial building, you could go to a, a uh, lending institution and say, hey, I'd like to take a loan against the equity in my commercial building. You can do the same thing with your own, your own uh, private residence if you have equity in it. Well, the same thing happens with whole life insurance if you think of it as an asset. It is an asset that you have been paying on just like you pay on your stock portfolio, just like you pay your uh, business, just like you pay in your commercial real estate your, and your personal real estate. You're paying into that asset. Anytime you pay into that asset, you, you build that asset up. If you build that asset up, you're building it up. You're building the collateral up. This is a simple concept when it comes to accounting balance sheet. In other words, uh, your assets versus liability, you're going to have then your net worth. Well, that's what they use to base their ability to lend you money. So that is why a person, that is why it's, you're able to do this. And legally, just for all our listeners to know, because a lot of people have said this to me over the years, why do life insurance companies allow you to borrow against your asset? Because you're not taking your money, you're borrowing against it with the cash reserves of the insurance company. There's a simple answer to that. Because by law, they have to allow it. If, to do business in all 50 states, it is required that they allow a loan provision against the collateral or the, uh, of the policy. So it's by law. And then when you understand that, then it simplifies the whole thing. And then the other thing a person often asks me is, why, why do they uh, think that's a good deal uh, for them to actually invest the money? Because you mean, you know, why when, does the insurance company think insurance it's a good company, deal yes. for the policy owner to invest their money? No, no. Why is it, why is it a good deal because they, the, for the insurance company? Because they could, instead of getting 5% mm -hmm. from the policy owner in interest, current interest is 5%, they could be using that money to make more than 5%. Well, there's two, there's two things. One, insurance companies are very conservative. So getting 5% on money, is really good for them. And the, and the final thing is, is that it's also guaranteed because they're actually lessening their future responsibility because every time you take a loan, you actually have to decrease the death benefit by how much you take the loan by. So that means future liability on the bank, on the uh, balance sheet is less. So they're fine with doing that. So legally they have to do it and financially it makes sense for them to do it. 
Now, you don't mind them actually gaining 5% because a mutual com company, you're, you're actually a policy. If you're a policy owner, which you have to be to be with a mutual company, you're part owner. So that actually helps build up the dividend that, that you're receiving. So all this makes perfect sense if you understand the, the basic overall general concepts. And as our friend James Nethery, and I've said this many times, if you, if you understand the concepts, the details don't matter. If you don't understand the concepts, the details don't matter. So the details never matter as long as you understand the concepts. I love that we're coming at it from a perspective of the concept, which would also be the principle, or you could think of it as why it works. So we started this conversation because we know people are asking, what is this? What are the technical, te technical, tactical, factual details? What is actually happening with this policy? But beneath that, it's really most important to understand why it's happening. And that's where you're talking about the concept. So mm -hmm. within this answering the question, your what questions, we're actually telling you why so that you can understand and not just have the the facts, but really understand why those facts matter. And so you can create in your own mind a framework or a structure for understanding why this is beneficial to you. So Something that I want to point out that lays on top of what you just shared, Bruce, is that if you, as a business owner or as a high-paid professional, have a financial system in place in your life, so you're making money, you have your revenue from your business, your investments, your, your income, that's coming into your financial house, if you will. Well, then you're spending some of that money, you're saving, you're investing. Those are the places where your money is going out of your financial house. And what are you doing with that money? Well, if you think about, I'm saving money, where are you going to save that? And what is the purpose that you're saving it for? So many people would say, well, I'm saving for, um, I'm building capital to invest here, or I'm building up capital to buy another property, or um, they're looking for a future spending, and that's why they're saving. But if you think about the reason to store capital, if you're in your business, you need cash to be able to go make that hire that you wanted to make, or to pay for a new marketing strategy, or, or buy an additional stream of income, or buy an additional business, and you're building up capital for the purpose of being used. So in order to use that money, you need to have access to that cash. So liquidity becomes a really important piece of thinking about the way you're storing money, because that's why we put money in the bank, right? We put it in the bank so that we can get it out when we need it, when we need to... Um, pay our suppliers, when we need to pay our payroll, when you need to pay your taxes, when you need to pay anything that's a big ticket item in your business expenses or acquisition of additional investments, you need to be able to get your hands on that money. And so as Bruce, you're going through a lot of the other places where we can access money to finance those types of acquisitions or the, those big ticket items, we want to think about accessibility. And I think this really limits so many people because we don't think about the accessibility. And so we get ourselves into challenges because 
you have to think about what do you need to do to qualify to access your money? If it's in your house, if it's in your commercial real estate, if it's in any of those places that you just mentioned, um, accounts receivable, you can get financing against that. Well, what do you need to do to get that access? It's not just pay interest. It's that you have to qualify. You have to prove that you have the accounts receivable. You have to prove the ability to repay. You have to prove creditworthiness. And that means that you're going to have to go through a rigorous vetting process to find out if this is a valuable, uh, low-risk use of that holding institution's capital to give you that access. Now, the reason why infinite banking is so valuable is that you're not only in a position where you're growing your capital inside the policy, you also have that contractual guarantee to be able to access and use that capital through a policy loan. And that's why we're talking about this today at all, because you need to not only have a great place to cover your financing needs, you really need that to fix, I mean, Bruce, what you have called a storage problem. So many people have a storage problem with their money. They're thinking, well, either I just put it in the bank and I earn nothing, but I can easily get it. Or I put it somewhere that it's going to earn more for me, but I can't get the money. And so you have that trade-off usually where you're either earning something and it's doing work for you, or you can access it. Infinite banking allows you to do both. Bruce, is there anything you want to say on that before we dig into what interest or policy? Yeah, actually, actually, Rachel, um, th this is an opportunity to talk about financial concepts. So think about this. Lending institutions, <clears throat> which are just financial institutions, there's a variety of them, um, they actually are looking at risk analysis all the time. So let's just, let's just uh, talk about this. You could do this with a margin account, which is a stock account, but they only, only allow you to do about 50% of the value of your stocks. So you're limited. Why? Because they know it's risky. Okay, stocks are risky. And guess what? When stocks go down, now they have what they call a margin call. And they say you have to realign now so that it's 50%. Well, the only way that a lot of people do it, and if they don't do it, they're allowed to actually sell the stocks in the portfolio. Well, so just think about this. Since the beginning of the year, we're in 2022. The S&P 500 is down about 23%. So if people were using their stock portfolio, uh, now their stock, their their overall collateral has has plummeted. They're going to have to sell more stocks to actually get realigned to fifty percent, and that causes the stock market to go down even further. So now they have to realign again. It's one of the reasons. But people don't understand why the stock market's going down. It's because people have one of the reasons because people have been using margin to actually buy more stocks, and so as they come down, they have to realign this. So they have to they have to sell again, and selling again makes the stock market goes down. It's kind of like a death spiral. Oh, so that's sure. why you can only, so that's why you can only do fifty percent. Then commercial real estate is the next. They often will not let you um, lend any more than about seventy percent loan to value commercial real estate. Where at a, at a home you can actually get maybe up to ninety percent. Now why the difference? Once again, they think commercial real estate is more. Risky because they feel like a person will give up their business and paying for the commercial real estate before they'll give up to the home. Now, compare that to whole life insurance. Once you capitalize whole life insurance, you can access somewhere between 94 and 
of the cash value available. Why? Because they have the collateral, both the cash value and the death benefit. Um, so that, so it, and it's not risky for the, for the uh, company. So it's all about risk. So when people are trying to figure out, well, couldn't I just do, do it like this? Well, because you don't have it access as much capital. It's a lot harder to get to because you don't have the, the, uh, the ease of collateral for the financial institution to obtain. That is a really healthy perspective to look at what the financial institution is benefiting or giving up in terms of what's driving their decisions, because that gives you insight to really understand what's in it for them. You would think, well, I just need to know what's in it for me, but you really need to know what's in it for them so you can understand why they're motivating you a certain way. Because people say oftentimes say, well, this is too good to be true. It's not too good to be true if you understand it from the financial uh, industry's viewpoint. It's not too good to be true if you understand it from their viewpoint. Mm, that's good. There's one other thing I want to say, and I think the challenge comes in. You you mentioned all of the more exciting accounts. You could also just store your money in the bank, right? You could just get mm-hmm. no return or point. I don't know what is the the average right now. Point oh six, I think. Yeah, somewhere in there. And so you could say, well, I'm earning basically nothing in interest on my savings account that's in the bank. Maybe you could move it into an account that's going to earn a little bit higher interest, but higher compared to what? I mean, it's still going to be probably 1% or less. And you're in a position of saying, well, if I do that and I want to use the cash, I just want to take the cash out. The problem is you're interrupting the compound growth, which means you are having a stop, start, stop, start effect with your compound interest, which is the reason why nobody in our culture now feels any kind of um, emotional excitement about (laughs) compound interest because nobody experiences the effects long-term of 50, 70, 80 years of compound interest growth. And if you have the ability to continue to earn that compound interest that never stops compounding, you would be more excited about compound interest. And so when you have the ability to keep your money growing and access it at the same time, that's where you get the tremendous advantage of life insurance. And that's why infinite banking is extremely valuable compared to bank storage or savings and checking accounts. All right, Bruce, that is a lot of fabulous context. I think we could stop there, but let's go ahead and talk about what exactly is a policy loan. So this is just for a really quick, simple, straightforward answer. What is a policy loan? This is money that you are borrowing from who? From the life insurance company. And you are borrowing it against what collateral? Your cash value and your death benefit. And how do you access this money contractually? Meaning they have a a um, requirement to provide you this loan at your request. So you're borrowing the life insurance company's money against your cash value and death benefit of your life insurance policy that you have in place at that institution. And you you have the privilege of doing this without qualification and you are charged an interest rate for the use of that policy loan. And then you pay that loan back with interest and you can pay at your discretion, meaning according to whatever schedule or lack of schedule you set. 
including the potential for not paying back a policy loan depending on how much cash value you have and how much you've borrowed and how fast your policy is growing. I don't know if that was simple and straightforward enough. I attempted to be in one sentence. I know that was not. Um, but what this allows you to do is have cash that you're storing that you can access for any reason and pay back however you like so you have a lot of control while you're growing at a much more competitive compound growth rate inside of your policy and being able to put those dollars from the policy loan to work in your business, in your personal life, in your investments, whatever you're, you're wanting access to capital for, you're able to use it for in addition to having your money continue growing inside the policy. Bruce, let's kind of unpack that to really make it make a little bit more sense. Well, let's just use an example. So let's say you accumulated $100,000 in your cash value. So what happens is you can simply sign a piece of paper that says, I would like this money to be used as a collateral to take a loan against. So you're not taking your money out. You're taking it from the cash reserves of the life insurance company. When you sign that, then you can have them simply send you a check or you can do a, an electronic uh, funds transfer to your directly to your bank account. And that's what we suggest people do all the time. And under the best of times, we're not necessarily under the best of times now because of worker shortages all throughout the country, but under the best of times, you could get that money in 48 hours. Under normal times, life insurance companies like to say three to five business days. Um, the, the, it does extend occasionally if there's a problem with your bank, but you actually have to set that up. So you have to give them a voided check, just like you do any kind of else direct deposit. So you just set that up. You have to set it up one time because then they have all the information on file. So you set that up and let's say you, you're asking for $10,000 and you have $100,000. So that, that collateral is there. <clears throat> so they, they electronically transfer $10,000 into your account. And under the current interest rate of 5%, that interest starts to accrue the very next day just like any interest would accrue with any uh, loan. Now, here's the difference. That interest is being charged, but you do not actually see it being um, where you have to pay it until the anniversary date, which is the date that you took out your policy. So now, if any payment that you make back into your policy, uh, I'm sorry, back to, back to the policy loan repay the policy loan back to the back to the company they will then credit that amount of payment 100%. So if you make a $1000 payment back your cash value is going to go up 1000%. You might be saying now wait a minute. $1000 you mean? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if it's 1000%. $1000. Now you, you might say wait a minute. I thought I had interest on this. You do. Don't think of it as a traditional Loan payment, like with your house or your car, where your every payment you're paying a lot of interest early and a little bit of principal. All of this goes to principal first. So why is this important? Well, that way you might be motivated to go ahead and pay this back faster because if you need the money back, 
you know that all 100% of that money until your, until your anniversary date is going back to principal. And also, it's now reducing the volume of the interest because now you're, you're paying 5% on a smaller amount. On only 9,000 if you paid back 1,000. On 1, only 9,000. Yeah, for the, rest of that, for the rest of that anniversary time. Nelson used to always talk about, it's not the percentage rate, it's the volume of interest that you're paying. And he used to use morphine as, as an example. He would say, you know, if you stuck morphine in your body, but you did it really slowly, as long as it was a big enough volume, it would kill you. So it's not whether you do it fast or slow, because his analogy was that uh, a small interest rate was doing it slow, and a large interest rate was just pushing it all at one time, because we get so fixated on interest rates, like it's a really high interest rate, I got to pay it off. Well, if it's, if it's only a really high interest rate on $100, who cares? You shouldn't be caring about the volume of a, a lower interest rate on a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, so you, it's really nice to know that the volume of your interest is actually going to go down if you make a bigger payment, and that is accessible by another signature. Which then so, just means, I mean, you could think of it as the cash value is a storage tank inside of your life insurance policy that you can take out to use money, put it back in. Yes. So you can, yes, it's not actually taking it out, but you're, you're borrowing against, which means you're putting a lien against a portion of that cash value, which means that portion of your cash value, you said a hundred thousand dollars of cash value. We borrowed 10,000, which is uh, lien is against the 10,000 at the top. So you've got 90,000 that's uncollateralized and right. the top 10,000 is collateralized, meaning I can't use it for anything else. But if I pay back 1,000 of that, now I have 91,000 again Correct. that I can borrow against, which it can be, it can sound confusing because we're not putting in and taking out, but essentially you're having the experience of being able to put money into your life insurance policy or pay back a policy loan and then borrow against it, which is almost like putting in, taking out, putting in, taking out, except you're not actually putting in and taking out. So the the full 100,000 is continuing to grow and, and compound uninterrupted. So I hope that helps you to understand the, the simplicity and ease with which you can pay back principal and again, allow yourself to increase the amount of cash value you have the ability to collateralize again you said just with a signature no requirements no qualifications no paperwork to fill out that says how much is your income how much liabilities do you have this next coming year do you have the ability to repay they're not looking with a microscope into the fine print of your financial life to decide if you are qualified to have this loan they are authorizing it because you've requested it and you're and you and just uh, as a sidebar, your death benefit also goes about down by the same amount. So your cash value goes down by whatever you're borrowing against because they're, they're they're taking a lien against it, and so does your death benefit. So Let's clarify something there. Oh, go ahead. So if you don't pay if you don't pay the loan back upon your death, then they have lowered your death benefit by the corresponding loan. 
It's very similar. I keep using this over and over. Your house, you take a home equity line of credit against it, and then you die. They don't give you the equity you have. They also have to pay off the home equity line of credit and then give you what's left. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing because we hear this all the time. You know, well, that's not fair because they keep my cash value when I die and they only give the death benefit. Why aren't they giving me the cash value and the death benefit? And I say to you, why, why do they not give you all the equity in your home? If you have $500,000 of equity built up in your home and you sell it for a million dollars, why don't they give you a million dollars and $500,000 of equity? I right. Mean, and actually I that's from, exactly I from Bob Murphy from Dr. Bob Murphy, our economist. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So why is it a problem with whole life insurance? So I was actually going to go exactly there because it could have been potentially heard, which probably not. But just in case you might've thought that Bruce is saying, look, you take a policy loan. Now they're going to say that $10,000 policy loan. They're going to take it out of your cash value and out of your death benefit. So they're actually taking 20,000 of collateral away from you. No, what's happening is that your cash value is a part of your death benefit. So it lives inside of your death benefit. If you have cash value of $100,000 available right now, your death benefit may be, I don't know, a million, two million, depends on how long you've been paying into the policy. Let's just say it's a $2 million death benefit and you've got $100,000 of cash value that you've built up inside the policy. That's like home equity and it's a portion of the death benefit. So what that means is if I've taken $100,000, I mean, sorry, go back to your same example, $10,000 policy loan, I have taken a lien against that that top 10,000 of my $100,000 of cash value here, which also means my $2 million death benefit. If I leave that loan unpaid, I don't repay the loan. My $2 million death benefit is re- reduced by $10,000 and is now $1,900,000. Did I say that correctly? I think I did. 990000 There we go. 990000 Yes. Yes. So what that just means is that it's it's applying, it's being experienced in both places. But the reason it's being, ex- your your policy loan is being experienced in your cash value and your death benefit is because the cash value is a part of your death benefit. It's not that you're having a hit twice. It is just, it's connected. Cash value is a portion of your death benefit. So if something reduces your cash value available or reduces your available cash value, it's going to apply to your death benefit as well and lower that final death benefit payout. I don't know if that's coming across clearly. I just want to make sure it's not um, the feeling that they're going to give me a, a double hit. Well, it's because um, the insurance company is calculating the cost of insurance based upon the risk to the insurance company. So you, if you have $100,000 of cash value, they have that at the insurance company. So when you when you if you die and they have a hundred thousand, but they're paying out two million dollars, they're only charging you the difference for the cost cost of insurance, one million nine hundred thousand dollars. And as the cash value builds to two hundred thousand, now they're only charging you for one million eight hundred thousand dollars. And as it builds to three hundred thousand, they're charging you for one million seven hundred thousand dollars. So all these people that are claiming that they're keeping your cash value and only paying the death benefit. They don't understand the inner workings of how 
you're being charged for the death benefit. I tell people all the time, they can do it the way you want. They're just going to have to charge you more because they're paying the cash value and the death benefit. It would be the same way with the with a with a home. They could give you the equity and they could give you the the uh the uh, sale price of the home, but then they'd have to charge you a lot more interest on the loan. It's not that difficult to figure out if you really stop and think about it. Absolutely. There was something that you said that I just wanted to clarify or dig into just a se- a little bit more. You said if I have cash value of $100,000 inside my policy, and that is shown to me by an Inforce illustration, and I have logged into the website and I can see it says $100,000 of available cash value. You said the insurance company actually has that money. So that's a really important point. That's one of the reasons that makes life insurance so stable. They have dollar for dollar reserves and often more in reserves at the life insurance company than what is pledged currently in cash value, correct? The top 10 mutual companies have $107 in reserve for every $100 they have uh, promised into the future. The companies that we work with, one of them actually has $114 in reserve for every $100 that they have pledged into the future. So they're very well capitalized. So I thought that was just a really important point to highlight in terms of the safety and trustworthiness of life insurance companies. You know, Rachel, as we let, let me as we end today, let me just talk about a few other flexibility things. So when a client of ours calls, you can do loans online and so on and so forth. But if you just want us to take care of it, we take care of it. We have a, our um, operations department actually does the paperwork for you. You sign the paperwork. You can actually do it. DocuSign now. And you will get it going and, and we ask you, what do you want to do the loan repayment schedule? And oftentimes people say, oh, I don't know, $100 a month or what do you think? Well, I actually have an amortization ca- uh, calculator and I say, well, if you're doing this for your car, you know, normally a car loan, you might do it four or five, six years. What do you want to do it over? Well, what's my payment going to be? I just did it the other day for a lady. I said, it's going to be $483 a month if you do it over six years. She goes, that's great. Let's do it for $400. $83 a month. But if you ever want to then call us up and say, hey, um, I just had something happen with my father and we have, a, we have a medical bill we're going to help him out with. Can I lower that to $250 a month? You simply can lower it to $250 a month. If you, if you, I just had a person today just, just text me and say, hey, I, I want to pay an additional $2,000, but I don't want to change my monthly. And I said, just send us a, two, a check for $2,000 and we'll tell them to apply it to the loan. So this is extremely, extremely flexible. You can change it, go back, you can put lump sums. You can, you can uh, stop it for a while if you needed to. Um, but the procedures are very, very easy uh, when you work with an operations department that can help you through. The exciting thing is more and more of these life insurance companies are allowing you to do it online and you can just make the changes at 2.30 in the morning if you'd like to. Which we are not available at 2.30 in the morning to be able to help you with that. You would have to wait till normal business hours. So, you know, there is that benefit. Not every day. (laughs) 
So we've covered today, what is a policy loan? So let's just recap that. A policy loan is money that you are borrowing from the life insurance company using your cash value and death benefit as collateral that you then can go put to work in another asset or another expense while your full cash value and death benefit continue growing with dividends and interest uninterrupted. Then what is a policy loan repayment? Well, this is when you repay to the life insurance company, not to yourself, you repay at interest the policy loan to the life insurance company. When you do, they free up that portion of collateral that is your life insurance cash value and death benefit, allowing you to be able to use that again as collateral for another policy loan. And when you pay back a policy loan, you're paying back principal first. It is accumulating or it is charging interest that you pay out that you pay at your policy anniversary date, you also then have the ability to pay back with flexibility. And I say, however, and whenever you choose to, you should set a schedule as Bruce was talking about an amortization schedule. What do you want to pay monthly for? How long do you want to pay this loan back? You can schedule that and then you can make additional payments or you can stop payments for a while and then pick up payments later. You want to make sure you do pay back your policy loans because that's going to give you an additional amount of capital that is stored that you can collateralize against. Solving this storage problem, solving the financing problem that we all have need to finance, where Bruce was saying in the beginning, you can either pay interest or you can give up the ability to earn interest. The amazing thing that life insurance allows you to do is yes, continue to pay interest, but you don't give up the ability to earn interest. Your money continues compounding and because you are continuing to earn interest while you're paying interest, you have a net gain. You have the ability to continue moving forward in your financial life, even when you are paying interest on policy loans. So I hope that brings some clarification to you today in the power of being able to use infinite banking for the purpose of storing capital, financing your needs during your life, and then ultimately using it as a tool to build generational wealth. And that's something that we're going to leave for another conversation another day. But I hope that this was helpful and clarifying for you so that you can really start understanding how how beneficial infinite banking could be for you. The next step then would be to say, if you want to figure out how it could apply in your actual life with your actual set of circumstances, with your actual cash, your actual inflows, your actual business, your family, your actual life, you can talk to us and get on the calendar to be in a position of just looking at your financial picture and saying, how can infinite banking work for me? What can I do to start implementing this in my own life? What amount can I fund it with? And how can I make this work for me? And how can I allow this to work for me? I think would even be a better way of saying that. So thank you for being with us on the show today. Bruce, any closing thoughts before I close this out? The only thing I would say is that um, uh, some people are curious so like what is a compound you know what what does the uh, the interest and dividends compound and a a policy it depends on on your your gender your health and your habits you know you can look you can look to do anywhere from three and a half to five and a half percent so that's a that's a lot internal rate of return although it's not truly an internal rate of return uh, so that's a that's a lot more than you're making in your savings account so let's just say it's three percent 
Um, and let's say you're making 1% in your savings account. Well, well, to double that is 100%. And so then 3% would be 200% increase. Mm-hmm. So when you start looking at it, it's not 2% more. It's a 200% increase of what you could be making. It's, it's a lot better place to store your money. Mm, I love that you shared that. I hope everyone was listening all the way till the end. Thank you so much for being with us on this show today. We will catch you next time. And in the meantime, you can always find us at themoneyadvantage.com. And we would be happy to hear your questions, your comments, and talk to you in person to find out how we can help get you closer to your goals faster. We will see you next time. And in closing, please remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.